I am excited for what God is doing right now. I look ahead and I'm excited what God will do, but I'm excited right now. Had a prayer walk around the high school football stadium where we will see people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in just a few short weeks. And I've been sharing the news with friends and ministers alike who are just so uh, amazed uh, what God is doing here in Palm Bay. I was on a Zoom chat a few days ago and uh, had a Zoom meeting um, with Bethel Pentecostal Church from Long Island, New York, Pastor Doug Davis. And it was day 40 of their 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I got to join in on day 40. Kind of rude of me to just jump in the water that's already been flowing and enjoy their sacrifice on day 40. And I got to speak to them and minister to them at 6 a.m. on that Zoom chat. And they had over 250 people from their church logged in at 6 in the morning on day 40 of fasting and praying. And at the end, they said, what can we help you pray about, Brother Green? I said, I want you to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost partner with us I said because here in Palm Bay we're about to have a crusade at a high school football stadium and you could hear the response of excitement on that zoom chat I've been getting since then I've been getting text messages phone calls emails and Facebook messages from that church people saying we are partnering with Eastwind in prayer and fasting for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost on March the 19th I'm telling you, there is an excitement that is spreading throughout our nation about what is taking place right here in Palm Bay. Can somebody say amen? Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, where the Lord says that he saith, that's God, God saith, I have heard thee. Somebody say, "He he heard me. I have heard thee. In a time accepted. And in the day of salvation I have secured or helped thee. Behold now. Everybody say now. Now Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. I have heard thee in an accepted time. A modern translation says it like this. At just the right time. At just the right time, I heard you. So I want to take from that my title, At Just the Right Time. Somebody say that, At Just the Right Time. Oh, amen. You may be seated. At Just the Right Time. Scripture says, His ways are above our ways. Thoughts above our thoughts. Even as heaven is above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. It's not often that I think, God, you, you answered me at just the right time. Sometimes I think, God, you've answered me a day too late. But this scripture says that God spoke and said at just the right time I heard you. At just the right time. This time thing is very difficult for us human beings to grapple with. Especially when faced with a situation that we can't get ourselves out of. Faced with a storm that we can't get through. Walking through a valley of the shadow of death that we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And. We think, where is God? I've prayed, I have fasted, I've gone to church, I've continued, I'm marching, I'm fighting, I'm doing everything I know to do. Why has he not heard me? And God says, well, it's at the right time that I hear you. At just the right time, I have heard you. Sometimes I feel like David when he wrote in Psalm 102 and 2. He said, God... Don't hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call. Answer me speedily. (laughs) You ever feel like that? 
Because after living for God long enough, you kind of get to know his ways a little bit. Even though his ways are still beyond us, we kind of get to know his pattern a little bit. And we know, man, I'm right in the middle of trouble. And I know that he's going to answer, but I want him to answer now. I know that I'm going to be thankful when he does answer, but I don't want to go through this one more moment. I want him to answer now. David said, don't hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. I know how you are, God. You'll make me feel like I'm all alone in this. I know I'm not alone, but you'll hide and make me feel like I'm alone. You might be right next to me, but you'll hide. Making me feel like I've got to get through this by myself. Don't hide your face from me in the middle of my trouble. Incline your ear. Man, what audacious faith for David to say. Position yourself where you can hear me. I know you got universes to worry about. I know you got other nations and continents to listen to. But listen to me. Incline your ear to me. Watch this. In the day that I call, answer me speedily. Don't answer me tomorrow. Answer me when I call. I don't want to look back and say, well, hindsight is 2020. I don't want to look back and realize and say, oh, that's why you did that. I want you to answer now. You ever feel like that? Oh, boy. It's funny because that same psalmist David wrote in Psalm 46 that God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Sometimes he seems like a future help in present trouble. Hmm. Jesus, when he gave his parables in his life, he gave parables and his parables were always a reflection of his kingdom of heaven. And one of his parables found in Luke 18, Jesus says that there was a widow that came to an unjust judge. And in that city, she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. She had been mistreated, misaligned unfairly treated and she comes to the judge and says you've got to get justice from me from my adversary and scripture speaks concerning the judge's response and says he would not for a while he would not respond to her for a while but afterward he said within himself though I do not fear God nor regard man Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she wears me out. Now notice, he's telling you about an unjust judge. And saying if this unjust, unjust judge would eventually respond to this lady because of her persistence and con consistency. How much more would God respond to his children? This unjust judge would not respond to her immediately in her time of trouble. But eventually he would respond. And in verse 7 it says... That the Lord says, and shall God not avenge his own elect or his own children who cry out day and night to him. Though he bears long with them. Notice what Jesus is teaching. He says, will not God also respond to his own children who pray and cry day and night uh, even though he bears long with them? Even though he's enduring a long while with them. Why would he not just answer the first day? Though God bears long with you through day and night of toiling and crying and praying and fasting and seeking and pushing and fighting and struggling. He says, though God bears long with you. 
If you continue to the next verse, it says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Everybody say speedily. He says, though God would bear long with his children. I don't know about you, but when my son starts crying, my God, I either want to give him what he wants or give him what he don't want. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't stand the crying. I can't stand the whining. Sometimes I just say, baby, this is your turn. You got to take care of this. I got to go. I got to go hide out. I can't stand the crying and the whining and the complaining. Somebody say amen. amen. But it says God will bear long through your cry. God will wait with you. He will wait while you wait. He will endure while you endure. He will stand still while you stand still. He may not answer when you, when you call. He may not answer when you cry. He may not answer when you plead. But he's waiting with you. And when the fullness of time comes for him to answer you, it says he will avenge them speedily. He'll wait a long while with you. But when it's time to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing, get ready, baby. The blessing's on the way. Isn't it amazing that in Jesus' last sermon, if you will, his last discourse with his disciples after he has been killed, persecuted, crucified, resurrected, and the moment, I mean the minute before he ascends into heaven, he gives him one final sermon. And in Acts chapter 1, Verse 4, it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Count it. That's a four-letter word right there. W-A-I-T. That is a four-letter word. In fact, that, that four-letter word is a lot worse than some other four-letter words that we don't say. I don't like that word wait. I hate that word wait. In fact, I'd rather put on wait than to wait. I'd rather have W-E-I-G-H-T than W-A-I-T. Come on, somebody. I just don't like waiting. Don't tell me to wait. Don't tell me to be patient. Don't tell me it's on its way. I'm impatient. And he has the audacity after they've been waiting for hundreds of years for the promise. His last words to them, keep waiting. keep waiting we've been waiting Jesus in fact we've been waiting so long my great 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 grandparents have died waiting then my great 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 grandparents and my great great grandparents and my great grandparents and my grandparents and my parents they've all died they're dead they died waiting for what we're waiting for and you've got the audacity to prophesy and promise and tell us Somebody said, we've been waiting. John, just keep on waiting and don't leave Jerusalem. See, that's the problem is that people don't know how to wait and not depart. He said, don't depart in the wait. Don't backslide in the wait. Oh, don't lose your faith in the process of waiting. Don't lose your joy while you're waiting. Don't lose your worship while you're waiting. Do not depart, but wait. That's why most people depart because they've been waiting. They don't know how to keep waiting. He says, don't depart. Stay here. Don't leave. Don't lose your faith. But just keep waiting. We've been waiting. I grew up in Sunday school hearing about the promise, hearing about the revival, hearing about the harvest. I remember when Rabbi so-and-so, he taught me that one day uh, we wouldn't have to live vicariously through the high priest uh, who could go into the Shekinah glory one day a year uh, and then come out and tell us what it's like. I remember Rabbi Sister so-and-so and Rabbi Brother so-and-so when we were in Jewish Sunday school. And they'd say, man, one day it's going to be awesome. One day we're not just going to have to live through the high priest and his experience with the Holy Ghost. One day we're all going through the veil. Woo. 
One day we're all going through the veil. One day we're all going to be like high priests. One day we're all going to experience the Shekinah glory. One day we're all going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's not just going to be on the day of atonement. It's not just going to be one day a year. But every day we can, we're going to get to go through the veil. Every day we're going to get to go to him. Every day we're going to get to step into the holiest of holies. I remember year after year, lesson after lesson, Bible study after Bible study. Just keep waiting. Just keep believing. Just keep praying. I feel like we've lost so much time. I feel like we've lost so much ground just waiting. That's why through the penmanship of the prophet Joel, God inspired him to begin to prophesy about this harvest of the Spirit, this outpouring of the Spirit. And before he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit, the prophet Joel began to write, I see a people who are going to rend their hearts and not their garments in sorrow, but their hearts in repentance. And they're going to turn to God with all of themselves, with weeping, with fasting, with prayer, with mourning. People are going to repent to God. He continues on and then says this, and I see a great work of restoration. He said, for God will restore to you the years you have lost. Sometimes it feels like we've lost a lot of time waiting. I've lost a lot of time waiting. God, if you had done this back then, what more could I have done now? Come on, somebody. God, if you had saved, if you had saved my children back then, what could they have done over the last 10 years? What, why did you wait until their deathbed to save them? Why did you wait until the later in my life to fulfill this promise? God, if you had done this for me when I was young, I wouldn't have lost all that time. But the, Joel, the prophet Joel says, God's going to restore to you the time, the years that you have lost. Meaning, with the time that you've got left, God's going to do more through that time than the time you've lost. I remember, I remember a, a, an elderly man. I was asked to go pray for him in hospice. He was on his deathbed. His name was Pierre, 75 years old. And I went to his deathbed. I went to his bedside and I said, Pierre, let's talk, buddy. We got to have a Bible study. He had just been baptized in Jesus' name. His body was eaten up with cancer. He couldn't hardly see because of the cancer anymore. He couldn't hardly talk. They gave him hours, maybe a few days to live. And I sat on his bedside. I said, did you just get baptized in Jesus' name? He said, yes, I did. I said, what caused you to do that, you know, at this stage of your life? He said, well, when I was a young boy, I was sprinkled in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And the priest said, you're saved. You're always saved. And he said, well, praise God. I don't have to go to this boring church anymore. He said, I didn't go to church the rest of my life because the priest said, I'm saved. And I don't ever have to do anything. I I'll always be saved. He said, but here I am years later after traveling the world in the Navy. And he said, I've committed every sin in the book is exactly what his words were. He said, now here I am full of cancer. My son walks in and says, Dad, we need to have a Bible study about baptism. He said, there is only salvation in the name of Jesus. And he showed me the scriptures about baptism in Jesus' name. And he said, I was convinced. He said, well, you got to get me to a baptistry. I've got to be baptized. He said, we got a release from the hospice. And they let me leave the hospice for a few hours. We went to the church. This was just outside of Houston, Texas. He said, they baptized me in Jesus' name. I said, well, what do you know about being baptized with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God? He said, I don't know much about it. I said, let me tell you about it. I gave him a 10-minute Bible study on the Holy Ghost. He was excited. I said, are you ready? He said, man, I'm ready. But the only problem is God ain't going to give it to me. I said, why not? He said, remember, I've committed just about every sin in the book. He said, man, I'm, I, I've been a terrible person. I've committed every, just about every sin there is. God can't give me the Holy Ghost. I said, well, the Lord said, I've come to seek and save those who are lost. I said, if you're lost, he didn't say how lost you could be or how lost you couldn't be. He didn't define the capacity of your lost. He didn't define the capacity of your darkness that he would reach into. He didn't define the capacity of your sin and of your state of confusion. If you're lost, he's looking for you. Pierre got convinced, and I saw tears streaming down his cheeks. I went over and stood by his bedside, laid my hand on his head, and in a whisper, he couldn't speak as loud as I am right now, but in a whisper, I heard another language coming out of his mouth, and I put my ear up real close, and he was speaking in tongues. And next thing you know, this, this almost dead man was shaking like this. And I thought, dear God, he's going out. 
I thought, I don't want them to come in and see my hand on him while he breathes his last breath. I stepped back, and this man's supposed to be full of faith, Chris Green. I said, Pierre, are you okay? He looked up. I remember he just opened his left eye like this. He said, oh, Bubba, I'm great. Keep on praying. I, paid, I put my hand right back on his head. He started speaking in tongues again. When he finished, I said, Pierre, tell me what happened to you. He said, I don't know how to explain it. He said, but I felt like I was just one-on-one -on -one with God. I was standing with Jesus. He said, I couldn't see him. I couldn't see the clarity of who he was, but I was standing with him. He said, and he touched me. And when he touched me, he said, I started speaking words that are not in my vocabulary. He said, what is that? I said, that's the Holy Ghost. You've just received the Holy Holy Ghost. Two days later, I got the phone call that Pierre had passed on. Here's what's so amazing about that. Pierre could not bribe God with the years he had left. He couldn't say, oh, God, if you'll save me now, I'll give you the next 25 years. He couldn't say that. But God doesn't need your bribery, your negotiation. God doesn't need your time. While, while, while Pierre could not say, I'll give you my next 25 years, God said, I'll give you all of eternity. You don't have to have 25 years. If you just have, oh, David said, let everything that has breath. If you've got breath, that means you've got a second and you've got enough time to cry out to God and say, God, this might be my last breath, but with my last, I give you all that I've got. Don't you think that it's too late for you? It's not too late for a God who exists outside of time. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. It's not too late for you. God said at just the right time. You thought it was too late, but I said it's just the right time. It's funny because even in the ministry of Jesus, he proved to us that he can do more in an instant than we can do in a lifetime. His first miracle of turning water into wine. I don't have time to go into all the details, but I'll tell you what. I, I'm not a wine partaker myself, but I know they say that wine gets better with age and with time. <laughs> But yet Jesus said, fill up the water pots, even though he had told his mom, my hour, my time has not come. A good mother, she did what she's supposed to do. She didn't listen to her son. He said, woman, what, what does this have to do with me? My time ain't yet. It was like it went in one ear, out the other. She didn't even respond to him. She told the servants, do what he says to do. He thinking it ain't his time, but I'm his mama. He might be the king, but I'm the mom. Mom trumps king. <laughs> She said, oh, he thinks it ain't his time, but I'm going to declare it's his time right now. He, she said, do what he says to do. He's fine, 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 fine. Fill up the water pots. Pour it out into the cups. Now they say it takes time to make wine. Got to go through the process. They say if you want to find wine, you got to wait some long time. <laughs> you got to wait some months, some years. Some wines, I guess, are sold centuries later after aging for a while. <laughs> but Jesus gave them the best wine in an instant. The master of the feast even said, you have saved the best, line, the best wine, not until last, like we preach. He said, you've saved the best wine until now. See, Jesus proved in his first miracle, what you can't do in a lifetime, I can do in an instant. Later in his ministry, he had some friends. They called him up. A couple of sisters, Mary and Martha, she said, our brother's sick. You're only two miles away. Man, we heard that you were just in Bethany, two miles away. Can you get over here real quick? Get on that donkey and ride over here. Hover over here. Fly. Whatever you got to do, get over here now. Our brother is sick nearly to death. Jesus stayed there in Bethany just two miles away. 
In fact, if you read it in John chapter 11, it says in verse 6 that when he heard that he was sick, his friend Lazarus, Jesus stayed two more days in the place where he was. The present help in time of trouble, delaying his arrival. See, what Jesus realizes that we don't realize is sometimes repaired problems bring more revelation than prevented problems. That was, okay, I'm sorry. It's, it's early. Should have saved that one for Sunday night after you got your nap. I said, sometimes repaired problems bring more revelation than prevented problems. What revelation is there in a prevented problem? You didn't know there was a problem if he prevented it. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. You're starting to get it, but watch this. How many times have you got home and started running the aisles of your house and said, he prevented me from getting in a wreck? What wreck? He prevented it. You didn't know it was going to happen until he prevented it. And so you don't see the revelation of who he is unless he lets you go through the problem, get in the wreck, nearly die, and then he repairs it. Then when he repairs the problem, you say, my God, we nearly died. I was on my last leg. I was about to go out. But Jesus, he stayed two more days where he was. Verse 7, then after, that afterwards, almost a four-letter word. After, he said to the disciples, all right, let's go. It's time now. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you want to go there again? In verse 14, Jesus said plainly to them, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, and I'm glad present help in the time of trouble I wasn't there when you called me I didn't show up when you prayed and I'm glad I'm glad I didn't answer you when you called I'm glad I hid my face when you were in the valley I'm glad watch this for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe I'm about to repair this problem to give you a revelation. If I had prevented the problem, if I had sent an angel to Lazarus and kept that sickness from him, you wouldn't have known I had anything to do with it. But now that he's dead, let's go to him. And Martha shows up with her past and future faith and forgets about the present. Martha says, Jesus, if you had... Oh, don't shake your head in resentment towards Martha. We've all been there. If you had been here, if you had answered me yesterday, if you had answered my prayer last year, if you had kept us out of this mess, my children wouldn't have backslid. If they hadn't seen the marriage falling apart, if they hadn't seen the situations we faced, our children wouldn't be dead right now. Our children wouldn't be lost right now. If you had been here, she had yesterday faith. And Jesus prophesied and said, he's going to rise again. And she shows him her future faith and says, I know he'll rise again on the day of resurrection. In the future, when everybody's resurrected, she could believe him for yesterday and believe him for tomorrow. But couldn't believe him for right now. Can I get a head nodder in the house to say, that's me. Oh, that's me, Pastor, because I can say, my God, we used to have revival. You should have seen the services we used to have. You should have seen the outpouring we used to have. And then I believe in future tense. Oh, God's going to do it one day. You just watch. One day it's coming. It's around the corner. Just keep believing. But I want to have right now faith that says, God, it's just the right time. And you said, now is the day of salvation. I believe for now when she presents her past faith and her future faith Jesus looks her square in the face and says Martha I am 
am the resurrection. Right now. Not just I was and not just I will be, but right now I am the resurrection and the life. And though he were dead, yet shall he live. We're going to stop and pray right now. Lift up your hands in this place. I believe now. I believe now. I know you were and I know you will be. But I believe right now. If you keep reading the story, you find in verse 33 where Jesus was weeping and groaning, troubled in his spirit. You think he doesn't care because he didn't show up when it happened. He said, no, I'm groaning with you. I'm weeping with you. I have pain like you have pain. I feel what you feel. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Verse 37, even the people looking at him said, or in verse 36, they said, see how this man loved Lazarus. Verse 37, watch. Notice what they said. Couldn't this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept the man from dying? Yeah, I could have prevented it. But I'm about to resurrect it. I could have prevented your trouble, but I'm about to resurrect your anointing in the midst of trouble. I could have kept you from making those mistakes, but I'm about to resurrect your promise in the face of your demise. I could have kept you from walking away, but I'm about to bring you back greater than you ever imagined. Jesus gets up to the tomb and says, take away the stone. And Martha said, Jesus, by this time, there's a stench. He stinks. It's too late. It stinks. It's too far gone. It's been gone too long. It's been lost too long. You should have been here earlier. And Jesus said, didn't I say to you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God. You don't have to see how it's going to work out you have to believe it's going to work out and then see the glory of God and they took away the stone from that place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes watch what he said this is a revelation to me he said father I thank you that you have heard me he heard you heard every sorrow of groaning he heard every weeping every tear every sleepless night he heard it but watch what he says and now and he says I know that you always hear me but because of the people who are standing by I said this that they may believe that you sent me I know you heard me but you didn't answer me yet because I'm about to reveal who I am to these people. When he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus didn't have to give the dead man a 12-step program of how to come alive again. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, you got to tarry there a long time before my anointing saturates you enough. Jesus didn't say, we got to call for the elders of all the UPC and pray for you. And if you're lucky, God's going to bring you out. No, 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 no. God delayed his arrival. God delayed his deliverance. God delayed his miraculous. But when God showed up, he said, get him out of the tomb get out of the grave and the next verse says when he said these things he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth and Jesus said to them loose him and let him go he's free he's delivered he's healed he's restored he is resurrected 
Lift up your hands in this place right now. I feel the Holy Ghost ministering to somebody in this place. At just the right time. At just the right time. I didn't prevent it, but I'm about to resurrect it. I didn't stop it from happening, but I'm about to turn it around. I'm about to bring you out. I feel the gift of faith in this place right now. Though he bear long with you. You see, it may take a long time to get an answer. But when he answers, it's immediate. At just the right time. Stand to your feet all over this house. Jesus said, disciples... I want you to do one last thing. Don't depart from Jerusalem and wait. They waited for hundreds of years for this promise. Jesus said, just wait a little bit longer. They had no idea when it would happen. Jesus said, in fact, when they asked when, he said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. It's not for you to understand the timing, my provision. Stop worrying about the time. Next verse says, but you shall receive power. After that, my spirit has come upon you. That's all you got to know. That's all you got to know. Don't worry about how long you've been praying and how far your family may be walking away in the midst of your waiting. All you got to know is that when I answer, you're going to have power. And the next chapter says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they did not wake up that morning saying, this is it. This is Acts chapter 2 verse 1, guys. This is the day. They woke up that day just like any other day. Is it today? Is it tomorrow? They might have believed a little bit for today. Maybe they had more belief for tomorrow than they had for today. But the scripture says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one place, in one mind, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a what? A, as of a what? Come on, somebody shout it. As of a rushing it took hundreds of years for him to answer. But when he did, he said, I'm rushing. I'm in a rush to get to you. Are you in a hurry to leave? Because I'm in a hurry to get to you. I told this in the morning service. I want to share it here. That right at about the time the COVID shut down, all this stuff happened. I was in Ohio, preached a youth rally, stayed over on Sunday to preach at Brother Keller's church. I was done. We had prayed for people. We had several get the Holy Ghost, and I was leaving. He got my attention. He said, can you pray for these two teenage girls? They're first-time visitors. I hadn't even noticed them. I said, of course. He said, they're first-time visitors. That's all I knew when I went to pray for them. Found out later that they're foster sisters. They had just been moved into the same foster home that week. And here they were crying. Teenage girls, 16, 17 years old. I went and prayed for them. I'm telling you, in an instant, they received the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name. And when they came after being baptized, I was waiting for them. And when they came out, I said, I want to hear your testimony. And they said, what testimony? I said, you know the story that got you here that you were embarrassed and ashamed of, the story of your past? It's now a testimony. I said, I want to hear that. How'd you get here? The first girl started and said, Two weeks ago, I committed suicide. I overdosed on some pills, taking my own life. I was tired of living. My mother found me in my room. No heartbeat, no, no breathing. The ambulance got there in time and resuscitated my body. I was in the hospital for 10 days. When they called my mom to pick me up, my mom said, she's not my daughter anymore. I don't want anything to do with her. She said, the sheriff of the county came and picked me up, took me to this foster home, and I can't get a hold of my mom. 
the other girl, she said, in the last 18 months, I've been moved throughout the state of Ohio to seven or eight different foster homes. She said, 18 months ago, my dad was placed in prison for life, on a life sentence due to a murder that he had committed. She said, that day, my mother abandoned me and my brother. She left home, drove away. She said, a week later, I walked into my brother, who her brother was younger than her, 14 or 15. She said, I walked in to my brother's room and found him dead. He had committed suicide. She said, they've moved me all over the state. She said, we've never been to church before. Neither has our foster mom. But this morning, our mom, our foster mom walked in and said, girls, get up and get dressed. We're going to go find Jesus today. She said, find Jesus. We got dressed and got in the car. And we said, where are we going? What church are we going to? She said, I don't know. But the Lord will lead us to the right place. She said, this is the first church that the Lord led us to. And when we came in here and we all started singing, she said, it felt like someone was just giving us a hug. She said, we felt this love that we've never felt before. They didn't know the scriptures. They didn't know the doctrines. They didn't know Acts 2.38. They didn't know any of this stuff. But they were feeling something they had never felt before and could not resist a response to what they were feeling. They came to the front. And I'm telling you God's honest truth. I don't even know if I was able to lay hands upon them before in an instant God filled both of them with the Holy Ghost and we baptized them in Jesus' name. At just the right time I heard you. At just the right time, I heard you. At just the right time, I heard your prayer. He said, behold today. Behold, now is that time. Now is your day of salvation. I want everybody to hear this word of faith from this preacher. That Jesus told them to wait before he poured out his spirit. But now that his spirit has been poured out, the wait is over. His spirit is available for you right now. His deliverance is available for you right now. Would you lift up your hands in this house as your hands are lifted would you begin to stretch out your voice of faith as a response to God come on lift up your voice above those hands right now under the heavens come on lift up your voice of faith lift up your voice of surrender to God Come on, just another moment. I'll give instruction here in a second. But right now, just lift up your voice. Just lift up your voice. There's people right now receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's people right now receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Speaking with other tongues. Lift up your voice, church. God is filling people with His Spirit even now. Even now. Even now. Even now. At just the right time. In the name of Jesus, I want you to come to this altar. Everybody under the sound of my voice. I want to open this place right here. I want you to come with faith. Surrender yourself. Respond to the presence of God right now. I want you to step out of your pew, out of your seat. And I want you to come. If you're comfortable coming today, I want you to come with faith. I want you to come believing. And when you get down to this place, I want you to press in and lift up your hands to God. Lift up your hands under the heavens. I want you to open your heart unto the word of the Lord that has been spoken to you today. Come on, from the front to the back. From the front to the back, I want you to come. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're getting ready to sing and worship, but we're also getting ready to receive an outpouring of God's love, of God's spirit today. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just take a moment and thank God for hearing you at just the right time. Come on, what do you got to give to God today? What do you have to give the Lord today? Why don't you give Him your praise and your worship? Oh, yes! 
Let's sing that for a moment. I'm going to give instruction here in a second, but I just feel to sing and worship right now. Let's sing this song. Come on, let's worship the Lord for a moment. I see you move. I see you move. Oh, yes. Come on, all over this house. Lift up your hands. All over this house. Lift up your voice unto God. When there was no such a faith in this house right now we would normally ask people to come up who have never received the gift of God's Spirit the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues we had at least three people in the first service receive this gift with the evidence of speaking in other tongues I, I spoke to one young lady I said God's Spirit is invisible how would we know if we received it unless he gave us a sign a tangible sign of evidence and I didn't choose the tongue God chose the tongue but what an instrument that God chose to reveal his work of salvation his love his mercy his grace the thing that we use to cut people down the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue the Bible says that our tongue is full of deadly poison that nobody can control and God said I will use the tongue as evidence of my salvation my hope my deliverance and so as I say, we would normally just move everybody out and say, come up. But I feel there's a faith that we're going to have people receive it all over this room right now. If you have never received the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues like the Bible says, would you just lift a hand or lift both hands? There's a lady right here. Not you. You. Not you. She's got it. Would you lift a hand? Lift a hand. Keep your hand up if you can. If it gets tired, raise the other hand. This lady in the pink dress had her hand up. Anybody right here? This young man right here. I'm pointing them out because we have prayer warriors all over this church. And I want you to position yourself with somebody who's got their hand raised. Anybody over here, you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues? If your hand is down, that says, I have received it. I have spoken in other tongues. If you haven't received that gift, would you raise a hand? You want to experience the love of God like you've never experienced. Just raise a hand right over here. Anybody in this section? This is the saved section right here. Anybody over here? If you've got your hand raised, somebody's going to come and pray with you right now. Amen. 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 
raise your hand if you've never received the baptism of God's Spirit. There's one here. There was a lady back there in a pink dress. If anybody wants to go stand with her. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're thinking, I might have received it, but I don't know if I've ever spoken in tongues before. Would you raise a hand right now? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. We got to get more people in here that haven't received the Holy Ghost. Let's do it. What do you say, church? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Amen. We've got people stationed with those that are about to receive the Holy Ghost. And before we pray, I want to invite those who have never been baptized in the waters of the name of Jesus Christ. We have a baptistry right behind this screen. We have robes you can change into, changing rooms, towels. I mean, it, it is like the Ritz-Carlton back there. <laughs> it is amazing. It's all set up, ready for you to be baptized, having all of your sins washed away. If you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, we're ready for you. And this is the right time for you to be baptized. You find somebody that looks like they're a part of this church, and you just go to them and say, Hey, I want to be baptized right now in Jesus' name, and we will make it happen for you today. One more time, all over the sanctuary, We've not even been in this altar for 10 minutes yet. Isn't that crazy? We've not even been praying for 10 minutes yet. We've had an hour and a half or whatever of church. We need to have just a little bit of prayer. You're dismissed when you want to go. But we got some people that have some needs and want to pray and press into the power of the Holy Ghost. If you want to press into His Spirit, why don't you lift up your hands right now? And we're going to pray for those to receive the Holy Ghost and pray for you. For you to know by faith that God has answered you. We're going home different than we came. Why don't you lift up your voice? right now by the power of the name of Jesus by the authority of the word of God be filled with the Holy Ghost in Jesus name hallelujah come on let there be a shout in this place let there be a shout in this place